the altar is kind of cluttered, and that's by design, because we've begun a series called Baggage, and the altar looks a lot like our lives sometimes. Our lives are cluttered with all the emotional baggage that we carry with us, the spiritual baggage. We, we lug all this history with us wherever we go. Last week, we talked about the fact that, that baggage slows down our progress, that it causes pain, that it makes the journey dangerous. And so we want to learn to travel light. But it doesn't just slow us down and cause pain and, and bring danger because it's hard for us to carry. It does those things also because it ties us to our past. The baggage that we carry is a constant reminder of something from the past. We tote that bag of, of resentment. It reminds us of how that person mistreated us. We, we carry that bag of low self-esteem. It reminds us of what mom or dad said so often that broke us. We carry those bags with us and they tie us to our past. It's understandable. I mean, we get it. But the truth is, we can learn to travel light we can move forward and we can watch where we're going because God is ready to start a new thing. If you have your copy of scripture with you, look with me in Isaiah. If you like to follow in the Bible app, just pull that up and we've got it all laid out there for you. But we're in Isaiah chapter 43. I want to show you verses 18 and 19. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. While you look at it or look for it, uh, let me just kind of give you a little background. As you know, um, God's people were disobedient. And um, time after time, he would remind them of what he expected of them. And time after time, they would disobey. So eventually, after many warnings from the prophets... He allowed Babylon to come in. Babylon came in to the area that we, we think of as Judah and destroyed Jerusalem, took all those people with them and into captivity. They stayed in captivity in Babylon for 70 years or so. And while they are in Babylon, they're, they're, they begin to lose hope. And it is in that setting then that Isaiah speaks, that God speaks through Isaiah, and God says to those captives, I'm going to bring you home eventually. And God says to them, verse 18, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He said first to them, he said to leave the past 
in the past. And if we're going to experience a new thing, particularly in learning to travel light, that's where it begins. Leave the past in the past. He was saying to his people whom he loved, he was saying, yeah, y'all messed up. You did. But let's leave that in the past. I'm willing to forgive that. You're willing to walk away from it. Let's move forward. He said, I'm going to start a new thing. So remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old in verse 18. I've always been a fan of hot air balloons. You know, I just love to watch those things. It's just amazing to see how they, they fill up and they can float and they move. And, you know, in order to, to steer one of those, you don't really steer it. You have to, you have to understand where the wind is going. And, and the wind doesn't flow in the same direction all the way up. It flows at different directions at different levels. So you find the level where the wind is going the way you want it, and you get the balloon to that level. And you, and, and, but once you figure out how to do that, you can just fly and soar. As I, as I kind of started learning a little bit about hot air balloons, I, I found out that a very popular way to use a balloon is what they call tethering. And you might get somebody on the, on the balloon, you know, you're going to offer rides or whatever, and, and you, you let the balloon go up, and it flies for a little bit, and then it stops because it is tethered to the ground. In this case, tether would be a very strong rope or three or four, very strong ropes that keep it tied down. You can give somebody a ride way up. They can look around, oh, isn't this beautiful? You bring them down, then you put somebody else up, and they, and that's, that's, that's really fun. That's really cool. But it's not the total, it's not the complete purpose of the balloon. The balloon is intended to soar. You and I often are limited because we are tied to our past. We're tethered to what happened or who we were or what we did. We are tied to the past and not able to soar like we were intended. Here, God is saying to the folks, we can leave the past behind us. We're going to start something new. My guess is that somebody this morning, probably all of us to some degree, would love to hear God say that to us this morning. We're going to leave the past behind. We're going to start something new. And I believe that's his message to us. You know, I've always been interested in the Israelites as they wander through the wilderness. That's just a fascinating part of history. These folks are wandering through the wilderness. Now, they've been slaves they were mistreated, they were mis misused, they were abused, they, they could not have freedom, they could not have a future, they were slaves. And now God has set them free. And they are on their way to a promised land that is said to be filled with, 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 with honey. It's, it's, it's flowing with milk and honey. What an awesome place to be. Can't wait to get there. And while they're on their journey, what are they doing? 
Are they singing and dancing and we're on our way? We're going to cross Jordan and we're going to be home? No. You know what they're doing? Sure wish we were back in Egypt. We had food in Egypt. We had a pillow to put our head on in Egypt. I sure wish we were back in Egypt. This Moses guy doesn't know what he's doing. It always surprised me how they could, how they could want to go back to slavery until I did a little bit of math. The, the people of Israel were in Egypt as slaves 400 years. What that means is that the ones who finally got to leave Egypt and they're out here in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, they've only known Egypt. They never knew anything else. Their parents never knew anything else. Their grandparents never knew anything else. These people were in slavery in Egypt longer than the United States has existed. It's all they knew. And that helped me kind of understand how we can be tied to our past. They wanted to go back to what they understood, to what they knew. And our baggage has a way of doing that. We understand our baggage. We've carried it so long, we know it. We also know that when we look at our baggage, there's not going to be any terrible surprises because we've, we already know what's there. As bad as it may be, at least we know what it is. And so we're not scared of any terrible surprises when we keep focusing on the baggage. And because of that, because it's comfortable, we understand it, it ties us, holds us to the past. You know, wandering through the wilderness was hard, but it was hard because it was different than what they were used to. They just wanted to return to the way things used to be. It's interesting when we talk about what used to be. The good old days. You know, the good old days were so good just because we have bad memories. <laughs> the good old days really weren't all that good. But it's how the, the children of Israel looked back at Egypt. It's familiar. That makes it comfortable. Comfortable is good. <laughs> back in the days before electricity, there was a tight-fisted old farmer. He was yelling at his hired hand because the guy was wasting money taking a lit lantern when he went to call on his girlfriend at night. The penny pension farmer said, you know, back when I went a courting, I never carried one of them things. I always went in the dark. The hired hand said, yep, and look what you got. <laughs> See, the, the, past, the, the past is not really, it's not really as, as good as we think it is. It's just comfortable because there's no surprises. And so it gets its hooks in us, and it holds us back. Just like Lot's wife. You remember Lot's wife? Lot lived in Sodom, and 
God said, we're going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. And he sent some angels. The angels came to Lot and said, Lot, hey, man, God finna do something. You got to go. Get your family and run. And so Lot gets his daughters and his wife, and they take off. The angel said, now, when you go, you run for the hills, literally, run for the hills, and don't look back. But what happened to Lot's wife as they're on their way to the hills? Lot's wife, behind him, looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, we always jump to that phrase that it says she looked back, and that's, that's an important phrase. But there's another phrase there that suggests what the problem was. Did you see it? But Lot's wife, behind him, looked back. You see, Lot is leading the way, and he's moving forward to the hills. His daughters are with him, and they're going. But Mama's hanging back. Mama's not quite sure she can let go of what she knows, what she's used to, what she's comfortable with. Yes, it's a mess. She knows how her daughters were about to be. She knows it's a mess. Dad going to give away the daughters just to protect the angels. This is terrible stuff. But she understands it. It's comfortable. And so she's hanging back while Lot's moving forward. And then when it says that she looked back, that's not the look of I'm driving down I-35 and there's somebody over here so I look back to see if they're in their lane, if they're coming up to. That's not the look back over the shoulder. This is focusing. This is paying attention to. So she's hanging back and she's paying attention to what she's leaving behind. And God said, I had something so much better for you but you couldn't let go. Our first church was the Baptist Church in Copperell. Copperell's a very small community over in Bosque County. And uh, we didn't have a nice pulpit like this when we didn't have all this nice equipment. We had, uh, we had a box pulpit, you know, it's just a big, just a big square. And inside that big box pulpit, the door opened back here, and that's where you stored the sound equipment. So the preacher was the sound guy. And we finally, well, we finally got high tech. I was so thrilled. We got high tech because I got a lapel mic. And, you know, I don't like to stand still. When I, I mean, standing still and preaching just don't go together in my head. It just doesn't work. So I finally got that lapel mic, and, man, I was free. The only problem was the, we, it was, was before the days of wireless. So the lapel mic was wired, and so I hooked it on here and ran it down and man I was going to be slick so I ran it all the way down my pants leg and then it plugged into the pulpit over here you know and so but I could move and every once in a while I'd get to move and you know sometimes I can get a little bit too excited and so I was preaching and I was getting excited and I'd come over here and all of a sudden that thing would pull. <laughs> you know I felt like a dog on a leash you know it, it was hard to get used to. And one time I came over here and I got a little bit excited and that thing started pulling. That little girl in the second row said, Mama, if, if he gets loose, will he hurt us? <laughs> so, no, that, that never happened. But the mic did. The mic was true. The little girl wasn't. 
But it's that leash that holds us. That's what I'll remember about preaching in, in Copperall. I'll remember that leash that, that held me to that pulpit. Our baggage holds us to our past. It won't let us move forward. The longer we hold on to it, the longer it takes us to reach out for our future. Philippians chapter 3, Paul said something is so profound. I share this with you often. And, and I don't apologize for that because this is, this is powerful verses and you need to know these. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We have to leave the past in the past. And the way we do that is we let go. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and working hard, that's what straining forward is, working hard to move forward to what lies ahead. And when he says forget what lies behind, and when Isaiah says remember not the former things, it doesn't mean to ignore though. It doesn't mean pretend your past never happened. Yes, you want to learn from your past. Otherwise, your past is worthless pain. Yes, you want to learn from your past. You take those lessons, but then you let go. You learn from it, but you don't live in it. You don't abide in yesterday. But yes, we learn and take those lessons with us. There were two men who went moose hunting in Canada and they were out there in the wild. You know, the bush pilot had to come and drop them off at their camp. And they arranged with the pilot that he would come back in a week. They were hunting in that, in that week. And he came back. They, during that week, they each got their moose. And so the pilot comes back at the end of the time. And he looks at those two big moose. And he says, you know, I, I, I can't take those moose back. Um, it's, it's too much weight for the plane. We'll never get off the ground. Well, the two hunters looked at each other, and then one of them said, you know, we really want to bring these moose home. It, it'll be all right. Last year, we came up here, we shot two moose the same size as these. The pilot who picked us up had a plane just like yours, and he got off the ground. Pilate said, well, if you did it last year, I guess we'll try it again. So sure enough, they loaded up the two moose. They headed down the runway. The plane barely made it off the runway, clipped some trees, and crashed. About 15 minutes later, the hunters regained consciousness. One of them said to the other, where are we? He looked around and said, oh, I think we made it about 200 yards farther than we did last year. <laughs> we want to learn from our past. We just don't want to live there. Warren Wearsby says, the past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. You know the rudder. That's that little paddle in the back of the boat. It directs the boat. It tells the boat where to go. You want the past to help direct you, to help guide you. You want to learn from it, but you don't want the past to be the anchor that holds you still. 
that keeps you from moving forward. So we leave the past in the past. The next thing that God says to his people in Isaiah and to us this morning, I think, is the best is yet to come. Why can I leave the past in the past? Because I know that's not the best. I can leave the past in the past because I know the best is yet to come. Look, he says in in, uh, uh, verse 19, behold, behold means look, pay attention, see this. He says, look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? The best is yet to come. He says, don't you see this? Don't you perceive it? Wouldn't it be sad if God brought something new and you missed it because you were looking backwards? This is not original, but I sure do like it. I'm sure you've heard it before, but isn't this powerful? The reason your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror is because your future matters more than your past. First Corinthians said something pretty similar. First Corinthians 2 actually paraphrases another passage in Isaiah where Isaiah is encouraging these people in captivity. God is going to bring you home and he's going to do something new. And so he says, look, as it is written, know what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And you and I often use that verse in, at funeral time. And we, we, we use the verse to say, you know, heaven's a beautiful, wonderful place that we can't even begin to imagine. And that is true. That's the way to, to use the verse. However, If you look at the context of 1 Corinthians 2 and you follow the context back to Isaiah where Paul got the words to begin with, the context is not just about what's going to happen later in heaven. It's about what's going on right now in this life as well. God wasn't saying to the people in captivity, one of these days you get to go to heaven. He was saying, I'm starting right now to bring you home to the promised land. We're going to get there. And in 1 Corinthians 2, the whole thing there is we can't, we, we can't see Jesus, but we, we've got to keep working, got to keep trusting. And if we'll do that, we're going to wind up living a life that is better than we ever imagined. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, the best is yet to come. When you go to Washington, D.C., you might find the uh, U.S. Patent Office. And you know what a patent is. Uh, somebody makes something new and they want to make sure that they get credit for being the first one to invent this thing. And so they get a patent. Well, there's an, an official office that manages all of that stuff. And when you go to the, the U.S. Patent Office, there's a sign above the door. And that sign above the door uh, reads... The past is but prologue. The past is but 
prologue. Somebody saw that, they read that, they thought, what in the world does that mean? They were thinking about it, they got in the cab, they, they asked the taxi driver. This sign says, the past is but prologue. What does that mean? And the, the cabbie said, well, the best way to understand that is it means, brother, you ain't seen nothing yet. The past is prologue. The past is just the beginning. The best is yet to come. St. Augustine said it well, trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. Life is an epic adventure. It ends in an amazing and beautiful destination for those of us who trust in Christ. Don't let your baggage tie you to your past and keep you from your adventure. In order to do that, we have to learn to walk in faith, not by sight. And that's the third thing that God said to his people in a way when he was speaking through Isaiah. Remember not the old things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And then he says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'll make a way for you. And I'll put rivers in the desert. You see, sometimes all we can see is the wilderness or the wasteland, the desert. All we can see is our circumstances. But he says, hey, I'm going to make a way for you to get through that wilderness. He's the one who makes a way where there is no way. We sing the song, he is the way maker. He says, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'm going to bring the rivers. I'm going to bring the water when you need it the most. We learn to walk by faith, not by sight. When we look, all we can see is the baggage. But if we walk by faith, we don't have to depend on what we see. We can drop the baggage. We can move beyond the past. We can trust him each step along the way. God calls Abram. Abram, you're going to go to a place you've never heard of. You're going to leave your family. You're going to leave everything you know. I'm not even going to tell you where you're headed. You just have to go, and then I'll tell you later where you're going. And Abram said, cool, let's go. Learning to walk by faith. And not by sight. Second Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 7 is where we get that. We walk by faith, not by sight. That passage is saying that, that we don't see Jesus while we're here, while we're in this tabernacle or this tent, this temporary house. We don't get to see him. So we have to walk by faith, but one of these days we will see him. And then we'll see it. We'll be able to walk by sight. But until then, we walk by faith, not based on what we see. John 20 tells the story of Doubting Thomas. You remember Doubting Thomas. Somebody said, hey, Thomas, Jesus is alive, man. Yeah, he died on the cross, and, and they put him in the grave, but he's alive. And Thomas said, eh, I don't know. He said, I'm going to have to see that for myself. I'm going to have to see 
the wounds in his hands. I'm going to have to see that hole in his side before I believe that he's really alive. And Jesus in his mercy and his grace shows up in their midst and says, Tom, look, come put your hand in this hole. It's the real deal, man. And Thomas believed. And then Jesus said in chapter 20, of, at verse 29, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Years ago, there was a young lady who attended church one night, back when we had night church. She felt the tug of God at her heart, and she responded to God's call. She accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. That young woman had a very rough past, however, involving alcohol, and drugs, and prostitution. But the change in her was real. As time went on, she became a faithful member of her church, and she eventually became involved in their ministry. She started teaching young children. It wasn't too long until this faithful young lady had caught the eye and the heart of the pastor's son. The relationship grew, and they began to make wedding plans, and that's when the trouble started. You see, about half of the church didn't think that a woman with that past was suitable for a pastor's son. The church began to argue and fight over the matter. They decided to have a meeting. They must have been a Baptist church. As the people made their arguments back and forth, the tension built in the room, the meeting was getting completely out of hand. The young woman became very upset about all the things being brought up about her past. She began to cry. The pastor's son stood up. And he took the microphone. He could not bear the pain that his wife-to-be was going through. And this is what he said. My fiance's past is not what's on trial here. What you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today, you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. So does it wash away sin or not? The whole church began to weep as they realized they had actually been slandering the blood of Jesus Christ. Because the blood of Jesus Christ covers our sin it is that sacrifice of love and mercy that enables us to leave our past behind and to start something new with him this morning is it time for you to drop some of your baggage at the altar so that it no longer pulls you to your past I'll bet you that there are some of us this morning who would be willing to say, 
I need something new. And I think God can do it. So I'm going to trust him.